This is Southern Tier Close-Up on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. White, and this is the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of the station. Joining me, I like to call this a twofer because we've got a couple guests and a couple different topics, but they're both from the Broome County Health Department. I have Chelsea Riome Nedlick, the public health educator, who's going to be talking to us about staying healthy with inoculations as in the flu shot stuff. Hi, Chelsea. Hello. And Jamie Welsh is a senior public health sanitarian, coordinator of the lead poisoning prevention programs for the health department. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning. Uh, I had you both come in because we got both these things that are really in a forefront of consideration this time of year, but any time of year, really, Jamie, with you guys for lead poisoning. Uh, just this past week or a couple weeks ago was Lead Poisoning Prevention Week, but it's something that should be a concern for everybody all the time, right? That's correct, Kathy. Uh, we have very high rates of lead poisoning here in Broome County, mostly due to our aging housing stock and old lead-based paint that was banned for residential use in 1978. 1978, Jamie? Yes. Why is this still a problem? I, I, I know older homes, I love older homes, particularly fond of Victorians and Craftsman style, but, I mean, seriously... You would have thought since 1978 somebody would have been doing some renovations or something down the road that this lead-based paint shouldn't be an issue anymore. You Uh, would think, yes, absolutely. Uh, But when it becomes deteriorated, that's when it is a hazard to our young children here in Broome County. So when it is alligatoring, flaking, chipping, looks like... uh, it puts a fine dust out into the environment, and little kids here will put their hands and their toys in their mouth. And that is how most of the children here in Broome County are getting lead poisoned. How big of a problem? I, I keep hearing about it in Syracuse with one of the regional cable channels. They, I guess out in Syracuse they have been doing certain initiatives and and that kind of thing. But how big of a problem is it in Broome County, and do we have any sort of uh, particular abatement programs that are helping these owners of older stock housing? Basically, the first step in this process is that every child in New York State, under New York State public health law, needs to be tested for blood lead at age one and then again at age two, we have some of the lowest testing rates in New York State. Ooh. So we do have a majority of our lead-poisoned children, yes, are living in older homes. They may be renter-occupied or owner-occupied, but have become in a deteriorated condition, which is like causing a risk to these children. Um, however, testing and knowing what these blood lead levels are is is extremely important because the effects of lead poisoning are irreversible. Well, let's talk about those effects so we can get that in people the forefront of people's mind and just thinking, oh, well, Junior's sticking pieces of paint chips in his mouth, no big deal. Well, children that are growing exponentially, which a one and a two-year-old is, basically lead will mimic calcium or iron or other 
necessary vitamins and minerals that children need to to develop. So if they're not getting that from their diet or if they have a large influx of lead dust or things that mimic those vitamins and minerals, they will retain more of that. It causes neurological issues, lower IQ, kidney issues, all behavior problems later in life, all sorts of negative effects that are permanent. Okay, so I'm say I have a family, a young family. I'm looking to buy my first home, uh, and maybe I'm fond of the Victorian style or the Craftsman style or some of these older homes that are the real deal that were really built before this time. Or maybe I'm just looking for something I can afford, and all I can afford is an older home. Um, if if I'm going to buy a house. Should I be concerned just walking through the door? What should I be looking for? And if I plan on making any renovations or anything, what should I do? Well, basically, any home built prior to 1978, uh, overall rule there is to assume that there is lead-based paint in that home in some capacity. So basically what we do when we work with uh, owners of properties, whether it's an owner-occupier or a rental, we go over a lot of the required remediation strategies. Work wet, don't kick up a lot of dust. It's the dust that is making our children sick. Contain the work area. And a lot of those methods are taught in our EPA lead renovator training course that we offer once a month for free for property owners under notice from the health department right here to learn how to work with lead safely. Can I just paint over it? It depends on the component type. Mm. If there's no friction or impact or mouthable surfaces, something you walk on like windows that go up and down and window sills are legally mouthable surfaces. So baseboards, walls, things of that nature, that can be painted over. Hmm. What's as I see in the, the news release we got that there was uh, something that you can learn about a diet that reduces the effect of lead. What's that all about? Basically, if children are picky eaters when they're little, which most toddlers are, um, diet is more iron, calcium. If you're getting those sources from actual food items, then your body won't soak up as much lead in that growing stage of development. Okay, well, that's kind of interesting. Now, you mentioned these uh, advice and, and guidance on people that are, are concerned about this. If somebody's a tenant, um, how do they go about, do they just call it to their landlord's attention? Do they get a hold of the health department? Is there uh, some way that the homes can be tested for lead, and how do they go about that? Absolutely. So if someone is a tenant and they have concerns about lead-based paint in their apartment or home and have young children, basically they can call 607-778-2847 to speak with someone in the lead program here at the health department. And yes, we will test homes for lead-based paint and get them remediated safely and properly. Is that the best number for people to call for just general information or should we go to a website? That is the best number to call. Okay. Now, we're going to switch gears, and we're going to switch over to Chelsea now. 
And uh, here we're talking about little ones, but when we're talking about flu shots, we're pretty much talking about everyone. The thing that we're seeing over and over and over again with our, our state health commissioner and everybody hopping all over the airwaves, we're, we're coronavirus out, but everyone is saying that we're getting into flu season and we're looking at a possibility of a double, double whammy. For years I've been hearing, get your flu shot, get your flu shot, get your flu shot, but why is this such a big deal this year? Kathy, you're exactly right. It is a bigger deal this year. Um, and the reason for that has a lot to do with our healthcare systems. So we know from earlier in 2020 and even now, we're seeing a lot of hospitalizations due to COVID. We know that this is a virus that can cause very severe illness and result in hospitalization. Every year, influenza does the same thing. Uh, so this year, the big concern is that we're going to see a lot of hospitalizations due to both COVID and the flu. Um, now, we don't have a vaccine for COVID yet. That's not vaccine preventable, but the flu is. And as many cases of the flu we can prevent as possible is a good thing because that will reduce the burden of influenza illness that hospitals are experiencing and make way for those COVID patients who might need to utilize the hospital this year. Yeah, that's getting to be a pretty big worry. You know, we're trying to grab control. We're watching the county executive with his updates and everything else and and the, the little bit of spikes here and there and again it goes back to almost flashback to the spring where we were concerned about the number of hospital beds worried about people that had other health conditions avoiding going to uh, to get those procedures done and going to the hospital because of fear of occupancy uh, abilities at the hospitals so when we're talking flu this is something that we really can help get a handle of you know, keeping those hospital beds available for the COVID patients if they should pop up. Absolutely, Kathy. And like I said, we don't have a vaccine for COVID yet. We can't prevent it through vaccination, but we can prevent influenza through vaccination. And so we should take advantage of that and prevent what we can prevent by getting our flu shot this year. But a flu shot is not 100% guaranteed I'm not going to get the flu, right? Correct. You know, it is possible to get the flu shot and still get the flu. However, if that does happen, that you get the flu after getting the flu shot, typically your illness will be much more mild and you're less likely to require hospitalization. Again, freeing up those hospital beds for other people who might need them for COVID or whatever other reason this winter. My husband and I, well, he had a flu shot once before, but I think this is the first time as far as I know that I've actually gone and gotten a flu shot. And one of the driving factors for me was the fact that there was the warning from Dr. Fauci and down through the local ranks, the state and the local ranks, about concerns about possibly, and now we're hearing about some cases, where you can get both and how that would totally stink. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. Um, so that was, I think, one of the driving factors, even though I'm not out, I'm not exposed to a lot of people. I basically come crawling in here in the middle of the night to do my work and then go crawling home and stay there. But I was, I decided to get the flu shot because of the whole concern about the possibility of bad enough one, really horrible both. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. And Right now, flu is not very widespread in New York State. Um, 
I don't think we've seen any cases in Broome County at this point. Well, we've all been washing our hands. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and we do hope that those uh, infection control measures that we're practicing for COVID, um, you know, social distancing and masking, we do hope that that might have an impact on reducing flu cases this year. But we should still get our flu shot because, like I said, it's a tool we have to prevent the flu. Um, But, yeah, so flu is not very widespread right now, so now is a really good time to get your flu shot before we get into the holiday season. And, you know, if you want to venture out and see family, you start doing that. And, um, you know, it takes about two weeks for the flu shot to work. Um, Oh, okay. You know, so to get protection from the flu shot, it's about two weeks from the time you get it. So now is a very good time to get your flu shot if you haven't already. Well, another thing that was a driving factor for us to go um, to a a local pharmacy and and didn't know about all the paperwork we had to fill out, that was a surprise, but um, the driving factor with that was I've heard in the past doing news stories about running out of certain uh, flu shots and and I there's guess I guess there's a different one for people that are older and of running out of those things and I was afraid that you know with everybody now like everything else having a run on toilet paper to flu shots <laughs> that, that, that there was going to be that it wasn't going to be available if we waited you're right there is a high dose flu shot that's available for people uh, age 65 and older um, it is available Um, There have been some issues getting it in some places, um, and those are due partly to, um, like, shipping delays due to COVID. Um, You know, even my Amazon orders are delayed on shipping due to COVID. It's impacting us in a lot of ways. Uh, But also, there's a high demand for this um, high-dose flu shot. So it has been a little bit tricky to get. My best advice, and this is the same advice that the CDC gives, is, if you are interested in getting the high-dose flu vaccine and you go to your pharmacy or your healthcare provider's office and they don't have it, don't let that be the reason you don't get a flu shot that day. Getting your flu shot at all is better than waiting and trying to get that high-dose flu shot elsewhere because in the time it takes for you to wait and, you know, get the high-dose flu shot, you could get the flu. Mm. One more thing before we run out of time, there's always people that are afraid that the flu shot is going to give them the flu, and the other thing they're concerned about is when the pharmacist starts talking to them about the possibility of side effects. Let's talk about that real quick before we're out of time. Sure. So it is not possible for the flu shot to give you the flu. Um, It's a rumor that we hear circulating every year, but it's not possible because the way the flu shot is made um, it either the virus in the vaccine is either dead, so it can't infect you, or it's weakened to the point where it can't infect you. Uh, so, you know, a dead or weakened virus cannot replicate in your body and cause illness. Um, sometimes people will say, well, you know, I got the flu shot, and then a week later I felt like I got the flu. Uh, remember, it takes two weeks for your flu shot to, you know, provide protection, So if you got your flu shot and a week later you got sick, what probably happened is you got a really nasty cold in that intervening week. Or you could have got the flu in that intervening week, but your flu shot had not taken effect yet. But you can, some of the side effects of getting a flu shot, you might have a sore arm for a few days, or you might feel actually yucky in a day or two, just a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, 
sometimes, you know, you'll have a, like some mild swelling and pain at the injection site when you get your flu shot. Um, you might feel just generally a little bit off in the days afterward, and that's just a result of your immune system responding to the vaccine. Um, but it is normal. It is typical. Um, you know, if you experience anything like an allergic reaction, you should definitely seek health care. Um, you know, any kind of things like hives, itching, you know, feeling like it's difficult to breathe, or your throat's closing. Mm. That's the kind of thing that, you know, you should seek health medical care for. But, you know, those reactions, like generally just feeling a little off and pain and injection or pain and mild swelling at the ejection site, that's normal and should go away in a day or two. Well, let's all stay healthy. Thank you very much, ladies, for being my guest today. Thank you for having us. This has been the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. I'm Kathy White for the Southern Tier Close-Up. The mission is offering $1,000.